to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Triple Point Technology Inc. and PTT Public Company Limited. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 29. And this case involves a careful consideration of the issues that appear around contract law and penalties that one party or another might have to pay. The two parties, Triple Point and PTT, were in a contract with each other that was subject to English law. In theory, Triple Point were to design and install a software system for PTT that would help with their commodities trading business. There were to be two phases to the project. In the first stage, the existing software used by PTT would be replaced, and in the second, the new system would be updated to include new types of trade. Unfortunately, as you can probably tell from the fact that the two companies ended up in court, things did not go according to plan. Phase 1 of the project finished 149 days behind schedule, and PTT were obviously dissatisfied, so they terminated the contract after paying Triple Point for the work that had been completed in the first phase. Triple Point were the first party to take legal action when they sued PTT for outstanding sums on unpaid invoices. PTT responded by counterclaiming for both damages and liquidated damages for delay under the contract. Interestingly, Article 12.3 of the contract did place a cap on the amount of damages that could be recovered, but that cap did not apply where there had been negligence. At the Technology and Construction Court, the judge found in favour of PTT by holding that they were entitled to uncapped damages for delay and capped damages for the costs of procuring an alternative system, as well as wasted costs. In total, the amount that Triple Point were due to pay reached nearly $4.5 million, but they appealed to the Court of Appeal where they were mostly successful. The justices in that court set aside the award of uncapped liquidated damages for delay. They held that PTT was only entitled to liquidated damages for work that had been completed prior to termination of the contract, that all the damages were subject to the Article 12.3 cap, and that the negligence exception only applied to freestanding torts rather than encompassing breaches of the contractual obligation to exercise care. PTT appealed to the Supreme Court and that is where we are going to pick things up. The central issue for the justices was about the approach to liquidated damages. In the contract, the clause took a pretty standard form by allowing for liquidated damages to be paid for the period between the due date of the work up until the work is actually accepted. However, this did not take into account whether these liquidated damages were payable in respect of work that had not been completed before the contract was terminated. In general, liquidated damages will continue to accrue until the contract is actually terminated, and this is where the Court of Appeal fundamentally went wrong. Once that contract is then terminated, the party doing the work, known as the contractor, becomes liable to pay damages for breach of contract. This matches with the collective agreement of the contract that the party who ordered the work, known as the employer, should not have to quantify its loss, as that may be extremely difficult to do. Overall, this approach is preferable because it ensures that the contractor does not avoid liability for liquidated damages in respect of delays, and the mere extinction of rights to such damages upon termination. In the context of this contract, Triple Point would have to pay liquidated damages for work that they failed to complete. 
The second question was about the interpretation of negligence here. While the Court of Appeal held that it only referred to the actual tort of failing to use due care, PTT argued that it should also apply to the breach of the contractual provision to exercise care. This definition is not overly broad and doesn't negate the cap that is built into the contract because the duty to exercise care sits alongside the various specifications that the software had to meet. Indeed, as Lord Leggett pointed out in his concurring judgment, separating these definitions out or attempting to restrict the definition of negligence would only create confusion. As a ready-made example of what the Supreme Court meant, the liquidated damages in this case were subject to the cap contained within the contract. So before we move on to our own analysis of this case, it is worth pointing out that two of the justices, Lords Sales and Hodge, dissented on this meaning of the word negligence. For them, the word does not refer to negligence in the performance of a contractual obligation, as the majority decided. They saw things more from the contractors, i.e. triple points perspective, by noting that the clause is a means for them to limit their liability in respect of the core obligation under the contract, to exercise reasonable care and skill in the performance of contractual tasks. Furthermore, the minority argued that it makes commercial sense for there to be a distinction between restricted liability for actions within the contract and an unrestricted liability for tortious negligence in general. I'm not sure where I fall on this legal debate, and I can certainly see why there was a split decision here amongst the justices of the Supreme Court. That distinction by the minority between the tort of negligence and negligence that arises out of the contract does make logical sense because the tort is often going to be much more serious and you would not expect there to be a cap, as opposed to negligence arising out of the core contractual obligations where you might want to limit liability. On the other hand though, it is easy to see how in certain circumstances this distinction could be difficult to make and would cause confusion in courts. Having the catch-all definition makes things easier for judges and contrary to the assessment by the Court of Appeal, does not negate the idea of having a cap. Ultimately, where you fall on the debate probably turns on which perspective you are looking at the question from. If you have the point of view of the employer, then you would want a wider interpretation of negligence that expands the potential liability. If you take the point of view of the contractor, then you want the exact opposite of this. It is possible that one day the Supreme Court might flip-flop on this question again, but what is more likely is that the standard term in contracts will now be rewritten to be more precise. How and when the liability cap applies will become another point of negotiation between the parties. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com for providing the theme music. I am very glad that I mentioned the importance of reviews in the previous episode because it has inspired a few of you to log on to Apple Podcasts and say some very kind words. Therefore, this week I would like to say special thanks to Winnie I Am The, Hanukkah, and a gentleman who happens to go by the username Cleaver Mike. I better not say too much about that except I love you, Dad. Uh, thanks for listening, and I hope Apple don't investigate cases of nepotism too closely. As a reminder, if you would like to have your review mentioned on an episode and also help out the podcast, then head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!